This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for Sports Talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Tuesday, March the 5th, I'm your host, DA, and we begin with some really interesting comments made over the weekend by NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. He was part of the Sloan MIT conference and was pretty open and transparent about the social anxiety that many of his players go through. Now, we oftentimes think that these players have all the money, all the celebrity playing the game of their lives. What do they have to be unhappy about? But there's social media and there's the anxiety that comes with social media. And so are NBA players actually unhappy? Here's Adam Silver and then Joe Lowe and Dibs on 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area to respond. A lot of these young men are genuinely unhappy. I mean, some have come from very difficult circumstances. That doesn't help. Some of them are amazingly isolated. And you and I have talked about this. That This goes back to Jordan in the 90s. Right. It's not even the camaraderie that they were accustomed to. I mean, you saw some of the um, the trailer or some parts of this film that we have from Michael's last yeah. year on the Bulls. I mean, the camaraderie was incredible. I mean, Michael, like what people didn't see was, I mean, he and, and Phil Jackson, obviously, as, as the coach, deserves enormous credit, but there was like classic team building going on all the time. These guys were a band of brothers, you know, on the buses, on the planes, and, and all the attention only brought them closer. If you're around a team in this day and age, they're, they're headphones on, they're isolated, and they're head down. This is not an individual whose job is to get you riled up to say something contrarian. He is being honest. There's a reason the NFL is trying to hire him to be their commissioner. There's a reason Fortune 500 companies across the country are trying to hire this guy. He is very good at what he does. He's very honest. He's very open. He's very out front. So to say that so many of these players, in his opinion, are unhappy, and a lot of that relates to social media, is probably something worth discussing. Here's an example, especially how social media can affect young people. 20, 30 years ago, probably not that far, I'm 38. But if you go back to when I was in high school, say, for example, you're walking across the cafeteria floor and you're going to get something to eat and you get your tray and you're coming back to your seat and you slip and you fall and the tray goes everywhere. The people around you laugh and you're embarrassed and maybe your shirt's a mess or whatever. But by and large, that's it. It's confined to that moment. And then those people might tell other people and those people kind of might make make fun of you. But by and large, you're done with it. And then eventually you go home and you might speak to your family or your friends. You might watch TV. You might do your homework. You might have your interest and then you'll go to bed and that's it. You're able to get away from all of it. It was just a moment. It was an embarrassing moment. We've all experienced it, but that's it. A moment that lives on in the minds of just a few And then through hearsay and secondhand conversation, others may make a crack. But they weren't really there, so they don't really know. Take that exact same situation and apply it to today. 
You're walking across the lunchroom floor. You have your tray. You slip. You fall. Stuff spills everywhere. Phones come out. It's recorded. You're embarrassed. You get up. You have this foolish look on your face because you're trying to scramble. Maybe some girl or guy you like sees this happen. You're panicking. You run out of the room. You go to the bathroom to clean yourself up, to get organized, and you check your phone. Your phone's buzzing. Now, all of a sudden, this thing's up on Instagram. This thing is up on Facebook. This thing is making its way through the social media rounds. You slide into the comments. People are making jokes at your expense. You haven't even had the opportunity to go back to the lunchroom, yet you're still just in the bathroom being harassed by this. When you were younger, like I was back in the day, you could go home and you could separate. Now you go home and you might want to get away from your parents and everyone else to see what everyone else is saying. And it's up there on social. And you just get caught up in the comment section. And this is just eating away at you at every, as everyone's trying to add on to it. And the worst part about it is it's a never-ending cycle. Because what's going to happen is that the individual who took that video, they don't view themselves as a bully. They don't view themselves as someone that's setting out to be mean. They view themselves as someone who was just putting content up and it's important for them because they put content up that got a lot of likes and it got a lot of comments and that released a lot of dopamine in the brain and it made you feel good. So now that individual is going to try to go out and find another video of someone slipping and falling. It's actually going to encourage them to come up with this material so that they can build their social media followings and they can strengthen their confidence because they're doing something that people perceive to like. When you think about it, social anxiety, which comes from social media, absolutely is part of the equation for everybody. But if you think about it, everything that happens with professional athletes is projected in a louder volume. Every problem that you have, any mistake that you make is amplified because of your celebrity and because of the number of followers that you have And so it doesn't really surprise me that so many of these players must be feeling trapped in some ways because of social media, and they're all addicted to social media. Just look at Kevin Durant, who is exhibit A in caring way too much about what people think about him, and he just has the rabbit ears up all of the time waiting for the criticism and waiting to respond to the criticism. You've got Kyrie Irving also responding to media and catcalls and criticisms, And so these guys undoubtedly are hearing a lot of what is said, and apparently, according to their commissioner, it's affecting them in a big way. One of those players that might feel from all sides what the criticism feels like on social media is LeBron James, which is why he's been very public in putting down the phone and putting away the social media, going dark during his playoff runs. But he's likely not going to have a playoff run because the Lakers just keep losing. How much of a surprise is this that he could go from eight straight NBA finals to missing the playoffs altogether? Well, maybe it's not that much of a surprise. Here's longtime NBA writer Scoop Jackson on the Dan Cilio Show, 97.3 The Fan in San Diego. Kyle Kuzma didn't play. Brandon Ingram didn't play. Lonzo Ball didn't play. Lance Stevenson didn't play. You know what I'm saying? Let's go down the list of injuries that they had to deal with, and that's not going to be taken into consideration in the big picture. So I'm trying to take those things into consideration, looking at expecting them in the beginning to play 500 basketball. You know, they're, you know, and taking the injuries into consideration, to me, they're exactly where they're supposed to be. To me, this makes sense. It's not a disaster. It's if you take everything into consideration, this is where they should be. But, you know, Scoop, I would... Th- that's just to me. Dan, Dan, that's just to me. That's just to me, though. I would throw this at you, though. That old... 
comment, though, that every medium a person used to make, including my myself, I used to make the same thing, where you could put LeBron James on any team in the NBA and they would be an automatic playoff contending basketball team. I'm wondering if that's really okay. the case anymore. Well, here's the thing. Once again, let's take all things into consideration. That was easy to say in the East. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Keep in mind how weak the East used to be. And we're pulling that statement and applying it to what LeBron was doing when he was in Cleveland, Miami. Yes, you throw LeBron on any East team as opposed to this time because now the team, it's funny how LeBron left the East and the East team stacked up and now they have some of the best teams in the league playing in the East right now. But before LeBron left, that wasn't the case. So, yes, if you stuck LeBron, if you, if you took LeBron and put him on the Brooklyn Nets, or hell, you put him on the Chicago Bulls, they make the playoffs in the East, probably. Yeah. But this is to the West, and that's what I'm saying. Take these consideration. The West is a different animal, and as great as LeBron James is, you can't expect him to never have played ball in a 15-year career in the Western Conference, and all of a sudden him to come in and take over the Western. It doesn't happen like the West has been too strong every year. The West has been so strong for the last decade. They're talking about changing the rules of the NBA because of that. LeBron's not stronger than an entire damn conference. Come on, man. <laughs> Let's be real. And, and, Dan, and, guess what? He missed, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use your number, he missed 18 games. If he plays all 82 like he did last year, are we having this conversation about them not missing the playoffs? They are five games out of the playoffs now. Five games. If you give LeBron those 18 games back and he wins what, Wait, if he wins 50% of them, they're in the playoffs. Do you get what I'm saying? Yep. Take it in consideration. Absolutely. Come on. I think it's kind of crazy to think that the Lakers would be this bad. Maybe you could think that it would take a while for the Lakers players to assimilate to LeBron and vice versa. But the idea that they're in the middle of a playoff stretch and playing terrible basketball and that they're this far out of a playoff spot and that LeBron, after playing the bulk of a season, would miss the postseason altogether – it's just kind of a crazy thought that I don't think anybody really thought was likely or probable before the season if they were being honest with themselves. In college basketball, we're now into March, and so it's time to really take a look at some of the contenders and pretenders in college hoops. And how about Tennessee? We always talk about Duke and North Carolina this year, Gonzaga at the top of the polls, but how about the Tennessee Vols led by Rick Barnes? He knows college basketball, Gary Parrish. And here's the Gary Parrish show on 92.9 in Memphis. Does Tennessee deserve more love as a contender? I learned a lot about Tennessee in the first two months. Yeah, I learned that they weren't just a really good team last season who was going to be really good right. again because there's a certain ceiling on what you can do when you don't have lottery picks. Uh, what I learned in the first two months of the season that, is that Tennessee is great yeah. and a legitimate national championship contender. And I thought that after they lost to Kentucky, I still thought it after they lost to LSU. I still think it after they beat Kentucky. Like, I haven't learned anything in the past two weeks. I learned everything I needed to know about, about Tennessee in the first two months of the season. Uh, my opinion hadn't changed at all in the past two weeks, even though they're now just 3-2 and two in their past five games. I'd say the same thing about Kentucky. Nothing that happened on Saturday makes me think anything differently about right. Kentucky. I know that's what people wanted me to do is like say, oh, see, Kentucky's the one that's fraudulent. Yeah. No, Kentucky's really good. Tennessee's <laughs> right. really good. Right. And with few exceptions, even if you are really good, if you're on the road against another really good team, you might get it handed to you. As we sit here right now, I think Tennessee and Kentucky, those two teams that played Saturday, they've played twice now and blown each other out. I think here's the truth. They're capable, quite clearly, of blowing each other out 
and and also basically anybody else in yeah. the country. And so hopefully we get them again at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. And a lot of people have talked about in the SEC championship game, tournament championship game, yeah. it'll be Tennessee against uh, Kentucky. And yeah. it could be. But if the rest of this season, this week, plays out the way the computers project, LSU and Tennessee are going to be co-SEC champs. And LSU has a tiebreaker over Tennessee because of that game in Baton Rouge. So LSU would actually be the one seed. Oh, wow. Tennessee and Kentucky would be the two and the three seed. So if you're looking forward to Tennessee-Kentucky again, it'll probably be SEC tournament semifinal as opposed to championship game. But either way, Mm, if we can get round three, no matter what day it is, that'll be be a lot of fun. Story number two. Uh, Gonzaga finished its regular season um, on Saturday with a 14-point win over St. Mary's. They go 16-0 in the West Coast Conference. They win those games, each one by double digits and by an average of 26.4 points. They're now on a 20-game winning streak, winning those games by an average of 29.9 points. And they have just put together one of the best runs through a conference, most impressive runs through a conference um, in the history of college basketball. And I know it's the West Coast Conference. It's not the same as, as running through the ACC or the Big Ten or the SEC or any of those leagues. Hell, it's not even the same as running through the American Athletic Conference. But Memphis fans should know how this feels. Yep. To be able to overwhelm a league and then have people be dismissive of it, discount it. Um, So if anybody should be understanding of Gonzaga's situation, it should be Memphis fans who enjoyed that ride under John Calipari through Conference USA when Memphis was doing to CUSA exactly what Gonzaga's doing to the WCC right now. But the thing I keep trying to hammer home is that there's some computer stuff that is really super-duper impressive when it comes to Gonzaga. And these numbers won't mean anything to you without context, but just once I place them in context, I think unless you're just being, for lack of a better word, hater, you're going to have to acknowledge this is one of the best, if not the best team in the country. This is going to be a wild March Madness because there is nobody that's really that dominant. No team looks unbeatable. And when you look at the names near the top, Gonzaga, who might be the best team in the country, but are you going to automatically pencil in a team that plays in that conference to the Final Four without having a little bit of worry? I mean, look at Duke. That's a team that has more talent than anybody else in the country, and yet they're only number four in the country. There's North Carolina. There's also Kentucky. But then there's teams like Tennessee or Nevada or Wofford in the top 25 I think this could be a March Madness where there is a lot of bracket busting. On the baseball diamond, it's spring training, and that means that Tim Tebow is trying to break into the big club. Many people surrounding the New York Mets assume that at some point this year we will see Tim Tebow at the big league level. So how does he feel about his chances? Here's Tebow on with Mike Francesa on WFAN in New York. The bottom line is you've got all this going on, but you still have this baseball dream that you're going forward with. How do you think you're doing with your baseball dream? Um, I think I'm improving. I think I'm getting there. Um, I think I've made a lot of strides in the little things. The, um, uh, you know, my jumps in the in the outfield. Um, you know, balls down the line, balls in the gap. You know, the little things on base, being able to see it. You know, they tried to back pick me today, my first time on. Right. You know, getting back the little things like that, and 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 then obviously, you know, the big things. You know, hitting and everything, but. Um, I think I'm improving. I think I'm making those strides, and and I you got I, two hits today. Yes, sir. Which I, is a big deal when you get two hits. It so is. you it's got a good two day. hits today. So 
um, what would be a good – what would you be content with this year? What, what's the goal? Do you make goals for yourself this year? Do you have a thing you want to accomplish this year? I think it's, um, I think it's being able to um, – improve, take the next steps, feel like I'm ready to, you know, get to the place where I can feel like I can be ready to compete at the highest level. That'd be, that would be my goal. Will you, you be know? in camp? If you play AAA this year, will you be in camp next year? Will you be still so. doing this next year? Yeah, I think so. Can you do everything else you want and still do baseball? Yeah. Or does it make you say no to a lot of things? It does make you say no to a lot of things, but that's okay. There's, there's seasons in your life. And for me, the season of baseball, I'm all in. And, and there'll be seasons, you know, season of football, season of baseball. Um, you know, what, what's after that? I don't know. Um, you know, I'm, yeah, you know, I love everything else I get to do, but you know, when I'm, you know, ten, twelve, fifteen years from now, I can't be doing this. So while I'm doing this, I'm going to be all in on it. And you don't think they're using you just because you're Tim Tebow, like as like a publicity stunt or anything? You don't feel like this was a publicity stunt? You're past that, right? Yeah. Was I, there a point you thought it was a publicity? No, stunt? He, you know, even in my opening talks um, with Mr. Alderson, who who I greatly respect, right. you know, he would say, you know, even if you. Even if it's just you helping our younger kids and inspiring our younger kids gotcha. and teaching them how to work and character and all these other things, right. it will still ju- be worth it just for that. And I loved his approach that, you know, and so I, in so many things and, and just, yeah, I feel like I've improved as a baseball player and I feel like I've competed and been able to get better and, and com- you know, at certain times compete at a high level and try to, you know, be a role model and help when I can and, and, and you know, to the younger guys, and all did the young kid, did the kid, not kids, but did the younger players come up and ask you? Uh, I mean, there are some kids. I mean, there's some eighteen, yeah. nineteen, twenty-year-olds. Did they come up and ask you for advice and stuff? You know, I, for, for the for the most part, it's kind of like it's not necessarily baseball stuff. It's like how do you handle the criticism, or how do you handle you know um, the pressure, or how do you handle you know when everybody's. Um, cheering for you, and you're or you're getting made fun of, or you're on the cover of the paper, and you don't do good, or oh, you know, and so it's it's more of those bigger picture things that I think some of the younger people, um, you know, or what's Tom Brady like? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny to hear Tebow self-analyze because on the one hand, it sounds like he's just kind of polishing up the final stages of being a great professional baseball player, but then on the other hand. He acts like he's working on the most fundamental of things like, you know, hitting. You know, the big things, you know, hitting and everything. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that shouldn't be something that you're just kind of getting around to right now. But we'll see. You never want to count Tim Tebow out. I never thought I would see him in Major League Baseball. But it appears he's closer than ever before at spring training with the Mets. That's a far cry away from the Philadelphia Phillies and Bryce Harper. We know Bryce is going to be ready, you know, to hit when the baseball season rolls around. And the reason that he is now a member of the Phillies is because Philadelphia opened up the purse strings. 13 years, $330 million, more years, more money than anybody else would have offered. And the owner behind the Phillies, at least the face of the ownership group, is John Middleton. And so how do you celebrate your 64th birthday as owner of the Phillies? Here's WIP's Angelo Cataldi. Happy birthday, John. (laughs) Thanks, Angelo. uh, I reached that age where I'm not sure I'm entirely happy to be reminded I'm a year older. But uh, it's better to be reminded than not to have to be able to be reminded, huh? Well, you've got a lot to celebrate right now, John. I was really curious. I was watching the news coverage Saturday. And I was trying to imagine what you were going through as someone who had had so much success in business. 
and now an entirely different business deal came to fruition. Can you compare for it what it's like in the business world and what you just went through with Bryce Harper? Well, I think the big difference um, is that this is such a public process. I mean, when you're, you know, because of literally the SEC rules, I mean, you know, when we were selling our companies, um, we couldn't talk any to anyone about anything, and nor could the people who were buying our companies. And so it, you're, you're doing this all in secrecy. Uh, you, you reach a deal, and all of a sudden you just kind of make an announcement. But, you know, we had not just months, because if you go back, you know, you go back a year ago when we signed Jake and at the press conference, people, you know, were asking me, wow, what are you going to do next year? And who, who are you going to go after? And so there's been, if I, if I said years of anticipation for this, that's not an exaggeration. And then obviously starting in the off season, it was really super focused and intense uh, scrutiny. So you're doing this in a fishbowl. It's a crucible. And every, everything you say um, is recorded and analyzed and everything you do is, you know, observed and analyzed. And, um, and there's also so much, you know, I read almost every article, I read every article uh, written this off season about particularly Manny and Bryce, but, but just about the off season. And, you know, Angela, knowing what, what was said about the Phillies, I mean, it, it, at least half of it wasn't true. There was like no basis. <laughs> People were saying, John's thinking this and John's thinking that. And I'm saying, how do you know what I'm thinking? You, you haven't even talked to me. Um, and so when I, you look at everything else that's said about the other teams, you have the same kind of reaction. What, how can I believe what I'm reading, you know, in some guy's article because, I, you know, about the Dodgers or the Giants, because I know what they're saying about me is not true. Uh, and that really is, it's obviously a complicating factor. It makes it really hard to kind of manage through the process. But, but the goods, that's the problem. But the really great news is when you're successful, like we were, it's a public celebration. Um, I mean, the reaction, I, mean, I wish you, frankly, I were up in the city and not down in Clearwater because I, I understand it's phenomenal. And certainly if you look at the ticket sales, the Jersey sales, I mean, it's, it's, kind of beyond anything we were we could have anticipated. John, it, it's the biggest reaction to a player transaction I've ever seen. Ever. It's a pretty good birthday present. Bringing in the most highest profile free agent in recent baseball history and him selling more jerseys than any other player ever in the first 48 hours with a team, which is the record that was broken by Harper earlier this week, which was originally held by LeBron James when LeBron took over as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Big pressure now on the Phillies. The ownership has done what they could do. They have opened up the wallet, and now it's up to the players and the manager to deliver. And we will wrap up today with a best of, you know, the Around the Dial crew here loves our barbecue and loves our ribs, especially when we were down there for the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago. So in the ATL, what's the best ribs in the city? Here's Carl Dukes and Mike Bell on 92.9 The Game in Atlanta. Guys, I want ribs that'll make you slap your mama. It doesn't matter what part of town. The guys hit me up and they say, where you at? I'm willing to travel for some good ribs, okay? Right. Chicken, sausage. I'm willing to travel. The deal is when you are in the mood for that, okay? And, and again, I was in the mood mm-hmm. for some barbecue, and I was like, yeah. And I told Mike where we went, and he was like, mm-mm. I love the Fox Brothers because they're the one guys I can I can stand next to when I'm thinner with them because they they do they do test the product. So Fox Brothers for me, I know we like Fat Mats as well, right yeah, up there, man. and on, uh, brisket too, by the way. Yeah, man. Hey, buddy boy, you're on the radio. Where's the best ribs in your world? 
What's happening, Chief? What's up, Chief? Yeah. Oh, you know, we know you can't afford good ribs. <laughs> no, come on, Chief. Come on. You know, I'm over here in, in College Park, but, you know, I travel over to Camel to Roll. I mean, uh, Camel Roll over there. And I'm telling you right now, Abdul the Butcher, Chief, got the best rib tips. Make you want to slap your mama, Chief. Yeah, and Abdul the Butcher, he had the mobile thing for a minute. So he does actually, no, that's no joke. The former wrestler does have his own rib joint the barbecue. Well, listen, if your last name is Butcher, I'm hoping that your <laughs> ribs are going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, you're on the radio, bro. Where's the best ribs in town? Kelly Ripa. Where? You said Kelly Ripa's got the best oh, ribs in town. <laughs> <Would you stop? laughs> That's funny. That made, me, that made me, it made Craig laugh, too. Come on. I like her. I think I, she's cute. I'm literally like, where's Kelly Ripa's? Oh, never yeah, mind. No, she, no, she's got to eat a sandwich. Yeah. She's about like 5% body yeah. fat. Hey, man, you're on the radio, bro. What do you got for the best ribs? Sergeant Wyatt, Westwood, across the street from Graham High School. I heard nothing, I'm, bro. I mean, I, I'm not. I trying, heard nothing. I know Carl and I were, we're not the youngest guys, but it sounds like you're doing like the tin can game with string. I heard nothing. It was like, I don't know. I got high school. Okay, sounds great. That's I look forward to. It. I was <laughs> hoping to identify the high school so then I could at least identify the area. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I heard nothing, bro. Alexa, I don't know. High school. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you're on the radio, bro. What do you got for the best ribs in town? Hey man. Hey, hey man. man. I never would have thought fried ribs, but my coworker took me to the greater good over off of Hosea Williams. I've Ooh. been back five times. Time out. They are amazing. Writing that down right now. Fried ribs? Fried yep. ribs. You ever had that, Craig? Fried I've never had that. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I didn't even know it was a thing. I've heard once you, once you cook them and then you fry them. Uh, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, but I've heard that. Yeah. Okay. Hey, man, you're on the radio, bro. What's your idea of the best ribs in town? Any man that's got a grill, don't say his ribs are the best, likes Kelly Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's the thing, uh, Jeremiah. You know, I'm a, I'm a grill master, man. I normally cook my own stuff. Right. And I'll put pictures out there, but I just was like, oh, let me go somewhere else. Made the mistake. I know where you went. I could have told you that place sucks. Uh, by the way, we've translated, we've rerun the tape, and okay. Squid Billy has cleaned it up. We've scrubbed the audio. Okay. And it is... It's Wyatt's Country Barbecue. It's oh. over on Wyman Street and on Memorial Drive, and it's uh, it's near Krim High School. Thank you. Thank wow. Good job. That's well, incredible. Squid bro. was a sonar operator around the, uh, on the USS Dallas, so he's able to rewind the audio and clean it Wyatt's up. Wyatt's Country Barbecue. Hey gotcha. man, you're on the radio, buddy. What do you got for the best ribs in town? Hey man. Hey, hey man. man. All right, uh, JD's ribs at Campbell's Road. JD's Rib Shake. That's two votes for that guy. I've heard about that. That's pretty good stuff. Hey, man, you're on the radio. What's the best ribs for you? Moonshiners in Grayson, Georgia, man. Moonshiners. Moonshiners okay. in Grayson. All right, man. If you're going out that neck of the woods. Hey, man, you're on the radio. What's Oh, he says nothing. Hey, man, you're on the Do air. they you- sell moonshine at Moonshiners? <laughs> well, you know, that was really making them. Wouldn't that be exciting? <laughs> I'm just asking. I haven't had moons. I haven't not had real moonshine since I worked in West by God, Virginia. Uh, it's potent. Yeah, buddy. Slap your mama ribs. That should be the name of the place, I think. Got the best rib tilt. Make you want to slap your mama, Chief. Man, that sounds like a good list. I'm heading down to Atlanta now, the next break that I get, because I'm ready for those ribs. Can we find the Atlanta Legends AAF schedule? We'll just figure out a road trip to go see the team and work in some of these rib joints. That's the best in your sports talk for Tuesday, March the 5th. Yep, that'll do it. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app.
everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 